When Ian contacted me and asked me if I'd like to share this morning, he said, you can choose the topic, you can choose the style of service. And I thought, good, I'll make him happy. I'll do a sermon on the rabbitos. <laughs> the only problem was rugby league's not mentioned in the Bible. Rabbits are mentioned twice, both to say they're unclean. <laughs> so that's not the topic. One international writer preacher said that in everyday Christian living, you are never more like Jesus than when you forgive. And you are never more like Satan than when you are angry and hate. The NIV version of the Bible mentions forgiveness approximately 30 times in the Old Testament and 40 in the New. It's a key in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against others. The Apostle Paul instructs the Ephesians, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiveness plays a central role in our faith and spiritual lives. We need to forgive others, to forgive ourselves. We need the forgiveness of others and we all need the forgiveness of God found only in Jesus. But forgiveness is one of those things that's easy to know about but hard to put into practice. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before you with open hearts and minds, ready to receive from your word. We ask that you speak to us and that your words penetrate deep into our souls. May we be receptive to your guidance and transformed by the truth of your word. Amen. When we look around the world, when we look at history, we see wars, conflicts, peace actions that have cost millions of lives because forgiveness was absent. When we look at our community, we see lawsuits, violence, road rage and the like because forgiveness is absent. When I was working at the Canberra Hospital, I met a young man who'd been driving down Tuggeranong Parkway and he stopped at a red light. The light turned green and he's a bit slow taking off and the people in the car behind him started abusing him and tooting on the horn and he replied with an impolite hand gesture. And the second car followed him to his home and broke his arm. The absence of forgiveness has devastating consequences. What is forgiveness? Well, the thesaurus has many synonyms, including pardon, mercy, amnesty, grace, compassion, acquittal, charity, and humanity. In their book, Forgive and Love Again, Nida and Thompson point out that the Bible has at least 75 different word pictures of forgiveness. And I'll just share a few. To forgive is to turn the key, open the cell door, and let the prisoner walk free. To forgive is to write in large letters across a debt, nothing owed. To forgive is to pound the gavel in a courtroom and declare not guilty. To forgive is to shoot an arrow high into the sky, so high, so far, it can never be found again. And I like this one. To forgive is to take out the garbage and dispose of it 
leaving the house full of cleanliness and sweet-smelling fresh air. To forgive is to loose the anchor that holds the ship and set it free to sail. And to forgive is to smash a clay pot into a thousand pieces so it can never be put together again. In the Bible, the Greek word forgiveness literally means to let go. What is unforgiveness? Condemnation, accusation, blaming, unloving, uncaring, pitiless, ruthlessness and resentment. In sharing about forgiveness with you this morning, I'm by no means assuming the role of an expert. I struggle with forgiveness as much as any of you. And in my short life, I've not had to forgive anyone of a major offence or cruelty to me or one of my loved ones. And I can only imagine how hard it must be to forgive in some situations. But as you will see, forgive we must. Just going to look at a few reasons why we should forgive. And firstly, unforgiveness imprisons you in the past. As long as you refuse to forgive offences and the offenders, you are shackled to their offence, like a ball and chain. As long as you refuse to forgive, you keep the pain alive. In the winter of 1964, Nelson Mandela arrived on Raven Island, where he would spend 18 of 27 years in prison. Confined to a small cell, the floor was his bed, a bucket was his toilet, and he was forced to do hard labour in a quarry. He had one visitor a year for 30 minutes, and he could write and receive one letter every six months. Prisoners were routinely starved and bashed. On the day of his release, after 27 years, Mandela said, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Unforgiveness produces deep-seated bitterness. It's an infectious cancer of the heart and it metastasizes. Wherever that first problem was, wherever that first offence was, it begins to grow and expand and take over more and more of our lives. Thoughts become malignant. Memories harass, they distort how we see life. We entertain thoughts for revenge. We wish the worst on the person we won't forgive. Conversation becomes another forum for our criticism, our defamation, our slander, and eventually it morphs into exaggerations and lies about that person. Again, Mandela said, resentment is like drinking poison, then hoping it will kill your enemies. You may have heard the saying, don't nurse, rehearse and curse. To nurse is to hold on to the pain and anger. To rehearse is to meditate on what happened. This is where I get stuck. What they did, what they said, what you should have said, and to curse is to strike back. One lady writes, why would anyone want to delay healing and prolong the pain? 
but we are guilty of nursing the wounds of our past and keeping the pain alive by rehearsing it over and over and over again. We jump at the opportunity to retell the story of how he lied to me or she misused me or how they hurt me. The problem is, the longer we nurse the bitterness and the pain, the longer it takes to heal. We constantly cry out to God to heal our broken hearts and take away the pain. But as soon as he does, we pick at it and pick at it until we bleed again. Unforgiveness is bad for your physical and mental health. John Hopkins Medicine have published an article, Forgiveness, Your Health Depends on It. Dr Karen Schwartz says there's an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Chronic anger puts you in fight or flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, immune response. And those changes increase the risk of depression, heart disease, diabetes, amongst other conditions. In contrast, she writes, Studies have found that acts of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels and sleep, reducing pain, blood pressure, levels of anxiety, depression and stress. Unforgiveness, enormous physical burden. Forgiveness, huge rewards for your health. We need to understand that whoever has offended you has offended God. Any wrong done against a person is done against God because we're breaking his rules. In Psalm 41 verse 4, David writes, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Though he had sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah and his family and the people of Israel, David repeats in Psalm 51, against you and you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. In reality, David had sinned against someone else, but he saw it for what it really was. As John Piper writes, sin by definition in the Bible is not wrongdoing against another person. It is assaulting the glory of God. It is rebelling against him. Not to forgive is to usurp the authority of God. In Romans 12, we read this challenging passage. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to revenge. I will repay. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God will take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. We are not the judge. If we act as the judge, what we are saying is God is too slow. God is indifferent. 
God is too preoccupied, God is too weak, or God is too unjust. I'm going to have to take this into my own hands. God alone is able to deal with sin, and he always does. He has the perfect, true understanding of the offence. We don't. He has the full authority. We don't. He is impartial. We are not. He is omniscient and eternal, seeing the beginning from the end. And we are short-sighted and ignorant. He is wise and good and acts in perfect holiness. Don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. Don't curse it. Let God reverse it. The Bible commands us to forgive. And this illustration in Matthew 18 is the teaching of Jesus. You may have heard it before, but we need to hear it again and again till we get really good at forgiving. Peter comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And historians tell us that the Jews would say, three times you forgive and after that you don't. So Peter thought he'd double it and add one. Do I forgive seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. The point is you just keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. As one writer says, forgiveness is not an event, it's a lifestyle. And then Jesus tells this parable to explain forgiveness. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he'd begun to settle them, one owed him 10,000 talents. A talent, one talent was 20 years work. 10,000 talents was 200,000 years of wages. An unpayable, inconceivable debt. We can be pretty sure he'd embezzled the king's money. The slave was brought to the king and the Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children. So the slave fell to the ground before the king and said, have patience with me, I'll repay you everything. Well, that was ridiculous, impossible. But he was so desperate he made a promise he couldn't keep. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave the debt. This is an unpayable debt. The man had no capacity to pay back. But the Lord, the King, is compassionate and forgives the whole debt. And that is the picture of God with us. But in the very next verse, that slave goes out, finds one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, 100 days work. He seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, just as he had done, made the same speech, have patience with me, I will repay you. And that was possible. But the ungrateful slave threw him in prison until he paid back. And how do you pay back when you're in prison? This man had been forgiven an utterly unpayable debt. And he goes out and strangles a man who owes him 100 days work when he owed 
200,000 years of wages. In telling this parable, Jesus was saying, God has forgiven you and me forgiveness for an unpayable debt. To go out and choke people, as it were, and throw them in debtors' prison, to damage their lives because of small offences to us is utterly hypocritical. We deserve damnation. God gives us mercy. And that should teach us that we give our debtors mercy as well. The one who does not forgive may not enjoy the fellowship and love of other believers. Still in Matthew 18, in the same parable, Jesus says, When the fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. If you are an unforgiving person, you will damage relationships. You may be distanced from your friends. You may end up isolated. Failure to forgive results in divine chastening. In verse 32, again the same parable. Summoning him, the Lord the King said, You wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave? In the same way that I had mercy on you, and his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he repaid all that was owed. And then Jesus says this, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive your brother from your heart. Does that mean what it says? It's what James says in James chapter 2, verse 13. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. One author says, We have eternal forgiveness in our justification, and that settles the issue of our future eternal blessing. But temporal forgiveness is an issue of our sanctification. Heaven is settled, but life here is not. And if you want to stay in the place of blessing, then you must forgive. There is a spiritual impact of unforgiveness on our relationship with God, which results in emptiness, dryness, dullness, lack of joy, lack of power, and lack of meaning. The absence of forgiveness renders us unfit to worship. We read in Matthew 5, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. And in Psalm 66 verse 18, the probable author David says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And finally, 
The injuries against you and offences against you are the trials that per uh, perfect you and build your character. Criticisms, injustices, offences, false accusations, persecutions, mistreatments, unkindness, all of those are within the providence and purpose of God. To go to James again, who writes, count it all, what? Joy when you fall into various trials, because they are perfecting your faith. And Peter writes, after you have suffered a while, the Lord will make you perfect. So it would be unfair to say why we should forgive without looking at ways that help us to forgive. And first of all, I think we can benefit from reflecting on aspects of forgiveness that are good for us, for our physical, emotional and spiritual well-being. We could also meditate on verses we've discussed this morning and how forgiveness plays a central role in our relationship with God and others. We can pray for strength to forgive and I'll give an example of that soon. Forgiving others can be challenging but with God's help we can find the strength and grace to forgive. Pray and ask God's help to, to let go of resentment and bitterness. Fill your heart with love and compassion. And remember that you are not alone in this journey. God is always there to support you and he truly understands. Pray for the person who hurts you. In Matthew 5:44, Jesus commands us, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And it is very hard to pray for someone consistently without your heart softening towards them. Practice empathy. Put yourself in the shoes of the person who's wronged you. Try to understand their perspective, their feelings. We can develop empathy and find it easier to forgive. And I think in some ways when we pray for strength to forgive, when we pray for the person who hurts us, when we try to stand in their shoes, we disperse some of the pain. So then the alliteration acronym becomes don't nurse, rehearse or curse. Disperse and let God reverse. Set boundaries and rebuild trust. Forgiving someone doesn't mean you have to tolerate harmful behaviours or allow someone to mistreat you. David chose not to kill Saul after Saul had tried to kill him twice. That showed forgiveness. However, he still decided not to go back to the palace with Saul because he knew he still had to be careful. He couldn't trust him. And it's important to establish healthy boundaries and work together to rebuild trust. And you may need someone's help to do that. And Tegan Roberts, our pastoral care coordinator, assures me she's willing to speak with anyone who is struggling with forgiveness and would like to talk it through. You could share your forgiveness journey with others. Sharing with one or two others can be helpful and encouraging. We can inspire each other and receive support from our community. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous 
is powerful and effective. And finally, give it time. Saying, I forgive you once is good, but may not be enough to allow it to truly penetrate in your heart. For a while, you may have to wake up every morning, look in the mirror and say, I forgive so-and-so for that. Keep walking in forgiveness every day, and it may be a decision every day. When we came to St Matthew's in 2002, some people from our previous church were unhappy about it. And at that time, one good friend contacted me and said he would be too busy to meet with me anymore. And last year, 20 years later, he contacted me, asked to meet for coffee and apologised. History gives us many examples of great forgiveness. Corrie ten Boon was a Dutch Christian who, along with her family, hid Jews from the Nazis during World War II. She and her sister were captured and put in a Nazi concentration camp, and there her sister died. After the war, she travelled the world sharing her experiences and spreading the message of forgiveness. One day, after speaking on forgiveness, she met one of her former Nazi captors. He approached her, put out his hand to shake hers and said, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there, but since then I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I'd like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, the hand came out, will you forgive me? Corrie realised that he didn't recognise her. She was just one of thousands of women. But she writes, and it's a long quote, but there's such good substance here. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. Since the end of the war, I had provided a home for those who'd been injured by Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with coldness clutching my heart but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out before me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. Gladys Staines was the widow of Australian missionary Graham Staines. 
He was killed along with their two sons, aged 10 and 7, by an anti-Christian mob in India in 1999. Shortly after the sentencing of the killers, Gladys issued a statement saying she'd forgiven the killers and had no bitterness towards them. And that rippled through the world, I remember it. Rather than return to Australia, she decided to stay in India, where she and her husband had served lepers for 15 years. I cannot just leave those people who love and trust us. In 2004, in Christianity Today, she was described as the best-known Christian in India after Mother Teresa. And she was asked, what is the value of forgiveness in a press conference? She replied, it opens up the channel of healing in our lives. Instead of bitterness, we have love and healing and peace. And it also releases the person to be forgiven. The Bible also has many examples of incredible forgiveness. Joseph's own brothers threw him into a pit sold him as a slave and he ended up in a foreign land firstly as a slave and then in prison for two years for a crime he didn't commit. So even though Joseph was hurt more deeply than most of us can even imagine, he was able to forgive. And as we read before, and now do not be distressed, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. To forgive is to let go of the desire to see someone else hurt. Forgiveness frees our minds to focus on God's goodness instead of our pain. In Acts chapter 7, you can read an amazing sermon presented by Stephen. By the time he was finished speaking, the leaders were cut to the heart but instead of seeing the truth, the religious leaders chose to destroy the messenger. The Bible says they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And Stephen was praying. He cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Instead of being angry with the people who were stoning him, Stephen saw them as lost souls that needed God's forgiveness and healing. He prayed for forgiveness for those who were killing him. And finally, we are reminded of Jesus' words and actions on the cross. Jesus' words, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus looked down from the cross upon a scene that must have been distressing to him. The Roman soldiers were gambling for his clothing. The criminal on the cross beside him was reviling him. The religious leaders were mocking him and the crowd was blaspheming him. And surrounded by this, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. Unmatched mercy and love. Even in his agony, Jesus' concern was for the forgiveness of those who counted them amongst his enemies. He asked the Father to forgive the thief on the cross who jeered at him. He asked the Father to forgive the Roman soldiers who mocked him, spat on him, beat him, 
put a crown of thorns on his head and nailed him to the cross. He asked forgiveness for the angry mob that had mocked and called for his crucifixion. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. He was fulfilling a prophecy from Isaiah. He bore the sins of many and made intercession for transgressors. From the cross, he interceded for sinners. And today, risen and glorified, Jesus remains the one mediator between God and mankind, us. On the cross, Jesus provided forgiveness for all those who would ever believe in him. He paid the penalty for sins we commit in our ignorance and even the ones we commit deliberately. When we are born again, we become an answer to Jesus' prayer, Father, forgive them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are sinners, but we have also been sinned against. We bring before you the pain of where we have been hurt and wronged. By your grace, help us to let go of our pain at the foot of the cross of Jesus. Father, we thank you that our many sins can be forgiven through our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to receive your forgiveness as we forgive others. Amen.